I want to give honor to my pastor uh, for allowing me the privilege to speak to you this morning. It is with uh, responsibility that I carry God's word. And I think, I believe, I have conviction that God will speak to us this morning. Amen. I've come with an expectation to receive from God. I believe Brother Andy asked you to also. So thank you, Brother Andy. Uh, we have a great to hear from God. Amen. I want to thank the worship team and the praise team for uh, leading us into praise this morning. Amen. I want to start this morning a little differently. You may be seated. I first want to talk to you today about a couple of different men in history. Uh, you know, the world would look at these men and consider them to be great men in history. Great men. And as I read some of these names, you're going to be like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Or you may look and be like, I've never heard of that name. Isaac Newton from 1642 to 1727, a while back. Isaac Newton was an English mathematician, a physicist, an astronomer. An ast astronomer. He's best known for his laws of motion and universal gravitation which laid the foundation for classical physics. His work, including, if I mispronounce this, I tried last night, my wife laughed, Philosophia Naturalis Principia Mathematica. Not too bad, huh? He had a profound impact on science and, math and mathematics. Great man of history. Many of us in high school, uh, what stays in motion, keeps in motion, uh, we've heard of these things as we've studied them. Christopher Columbus, from 1451 to 1506. Christopher Columbus was an Italian explorer who embarked on four voyages across the Atlantic Ocean. In, in 1492, he reached the Caribbean, which opened the way for widespread European exploration and eventual colonization of the Americas. Christopher Columbus opened the way for exploration. Thomas Edison, many of you have heard about that. If you're in Florida, you can check out some of his uh, homes. In 1847 to 1931, Thomas Edison was an American inventor and a businessman. He is most famous for his contributions to the development of the electric light bulb and the phonograph. Edison held over 1,000 patents. That's a lot of patents. I... Yeah, that's a lot. If you've ever seen how to submit a patent, man, a thousand of them, jeez. It is considered to be one of the most prolific inventors in history, Thomas Edison. Johannes Gutenberg, 1400 to 1468. Johannes Gutenberg was a German inventor and printer. He is credited with an invention of the printing press, the movable type around 1440. This innovation revolutionized the production of books and contributed to the spread of knowledge and the Renaissance. Great man of history. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein from 1879 to 1955. Albert Einstein was a German-born theoretical physicist. He's renowned for his theory of relativity, particularly the equation E equals mc squared which revolutionized our understanding for space, time, and energy. Einstein's work had a profound impact on modern physics 
and made him one of the most influential scientists in history. Again, these are great men of history. I may not align with their values. I may not align with their beliefs, what their core uh, principles were, but they had an impact on history. Can we agree to that? The, the things that we have today, the books that we have today, Gutenberg was instrumental in that, right? But this morning, I want to talk to you about not a great man. I want to talk to you about the greatest man in history. Lyle C. Rollins III said it in this manner. He had no servants, yet they called him a master. He had no degree, yet they called him a teacher. He had no machines, I'm sorry, he had no medicines, yet they called him a healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He did not live in a castle, yet they called him Lord. He ruled no nations, yet they called him king. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Lee Stone King then added this to that. He said, Christ Jesus... An obscure teacher, never married, rejected by those that he tried to help. He was executed in humiliation, but he changed the world forever. That is the greatest man in history. That is the man that I want to talk to you today, this morning. That is Jesus revealed unto us. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands this morning as we received his word. Lord, we want to thank you for the sacrifice, for everything that you have done for me, what you did at the cross, for the bloodshed, for the sins that you've forgiven me. God, I want to ask you that you speak to my heart, that I leave this place transformed, that I have a revelation of who you are, have an impact in my life. Lord, I want to thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. That is the man of God. That is the Jesus. When you call out to him in a time of need, that is who you're calling out. His name, Jesus, also has different meanings, or he was called by different ways in the Bible. One, he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you turn to your scriptures in John 1.14, and if you have it, just say it strong, amen. Amen. That way I know you're with me. John 1.14 says in the King James Bible, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full grace and truth. If we look also <clears throat> in Matthew one twenty three, I'm sorry, Luke 2, 8 through 20. 
We have a new media person, and I'm going to drive him nuts this morning. Luke 2, 8 through 20, it says this. You can read with me. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them. You imagine you're in the field tending to your sheep. Just another night. You're tending to your sheep. Just imagine going to work tomorrow, doing what you do normally. And you're just working, and all of a sudden, man, there's about to be angels surrounding you and music, heavenly singing. I'd be a little startled. I'd pay attention to that. I'd first think about what I ate last night and then see if that had an impact. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were so afraid. I'd, I'd be afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Isn't it awesome when you hear good news, you get the courage and you get the energy to start lifting your hands and praising God? When God brings you good news, you praise him. Right here the angels are bringing good news of a Savior they don't know what they need to be saved from, but he's a savior. That will be revealed to them. These shepherds have no understanding of who Jesus is, but they know good news when they hear it. I know good news when I hear it. When I heard Brother Roger was going home, those are good news. When my baby was going home, those are good news. When somebody's baptized in Jesus' name, those are good news. I rejoice with them. But in the midst of all of that, it's God. God brings those good news. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 14 says, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There's so much packed in that one verse. Glory to God in the highest. First, you praise God for good news. And the angels then said, in earth and on earth peace. God will bring peace to this earth. Man, you can talk about foreshadowing. Even to today, that verse has so much power. We know what's going on in Israel. We know that there is going to be a time where God, the true Jesus Christ, will come and bring peace. Amen. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, man, I'd like to be a part of that conversation. Seeing that, hearing all those things, you're just herding sheep. And it's also amazing the setting God had picked. Shepherds, sheep. It's telling us what's going to happen, who God is to us. He's our shepherd, amen. I won't get too ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, 
which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste. Say haste. They came with haste. They didn't say, ah, oh, we'll wait till uh, we have a day off next week. What's your schedule look like? How about we find some people to fill in? No. They heard good news, and they said, let's, this, let's go see what the angels are talking about. We don't need to wait for an opportunity. This is the opportunity. The angels told us, we want to go check it out. You don't have to wait for God to sometimes open the door. You just got to knock on that door in Jesus' name, and if you believe there's some good news behind there, God will open that door. Amen. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, saying, which was told them concerning this child. They didn't hold the news to themselves. I'm telling you this morning, you have a responsibility to share the good news. If somebody shared the good news with you, you share the good news with somebody else. You don't know what that person needs, but they need Jesus. Jesus knows what they need. They're in a time and a situation when they can hear good news, you share it with them. Amen. But in verse 19 says, but Mary kept all these things. And pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The beautiful thing about Emmanuel, God with us. We sometimes just like to think that only means, yes, God, his spirit is around us, and he's with us, and we can feel a fuzzy feeling, and it's good. I'm not denying that because you feel the presence of God this morning. Amen. But God with us, what does it mean for somebody to be with you? Well, you can turn to your spouse, to your husband, to your wife. They are with you through the good, through the bad, through the healthy, through the unhealthy. God being with us, he's going to be with us through the good, through the valley, through the desert, through the times of high and the times of low. He's not going to leave you alone. But there is one thing that God said, it is a promise unto us and unto all the people of the earth. There is another way God can be with us, and that is through the filling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What a better way than have God inside of you at all times where you can just call on his name and know that he's right there with you. There's a sense of security. Amen. Acts 1.15. This wasn't in my notes. Again, I told you, media, I was going to drive you nuts. Acts 1.15 says this. And in those days, Peter stood up. We're, we're listening here to Peter's speech in the upper room. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and there's a parenthesis here. The Bible wants to share us, the word of God wants to share us information that was neither spoken, but it's set in the tone, it's set in the scene. The number of names together were about 120. Say 120. About 120. 
I'm curious to know how many people were there when it all started. Pretty sure I feel confident that it wasn't just 120. It was more. A lot's more. People are curious. People want to know. But the 120 that were there ready to deceive the promise, as Peter is about to give the commission, he's about to tell them what to do. Those 120 people had a conviction in their hearts that they were there to receive something more than just another message. They were there to receive something that will transform their lives and will transform the history of the world for many generations to come. Those 120 people had a conviction that no matter what was going on back home, they were there to receive something special. 120 people, are you listening to me, this church? When you have a conviction to receive God and receive what God is bringing to you, it doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what your friend says. You have a conviction. You march on on to church. You march on to the things that God has laid beside you, and you receive his promise. 120 changed the course of history. How many of them were waiting there and just as it's about to break out, just as the Holy Spirit's about to be given, all of a sudden they're like, ah, I've been here an hour or so. I think this is enough. Nothing's going to happen. See ya. Gone. Next person maybe gets a, not a text, because in those times they didn't have phones, but they a messenger gets there. Hey, you know, you left your fire pit on. Maybe they leave out the house. One by one dwindle down to the 120 who are committed. People heard about Jesus. They saw miracles. There was 500 people at one time who witnessed what Jesus did. They saw him raise the dead. Don't you think that would have gathered a multitude of people seeing a miracle? And that's the thing. It doesn't take for you to witness a miracle for you to believe. That's what faith is for. You don't have to see what God is going to do for you to believe in God. Those 120 may have not even witnessed, but they heard, hey, God's going to deposit his spirit and his power. Man, I hear those news. I want a piece of that. How do I get God's power? How do I get to be that person? You have to be convicted. You have to believe, and you have to steadfast. Amen. I could teach on that alone, but I'll continue on. In Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Those 120 people were locked step. They were there for the same reason his neighbor was. They were there to seek God and to receive the promise. A promise is just that. It's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. This morning, if you haven't received the Holy Ghost, you could receive it here today. You could receive it this morning. You don't have to wait for a special conference. I, I, I'm thankful and I'm looking forward to the prayer conference, but you don't have to wait till then. You can receive the Holy Ghost here this morning. You want a piece of that power? God says, I promised it to you. Just lift up your hands. You thank him. You ask him for forgiveness. You praise him for all the things he's done. He'll deposit his power and his spirit in you. 
How do I know this? I've seen it time and time again, and I've experienced it myself. The other day, we were at Grow Groups. It was probably three weeks ago. How many is thankful for Grow Groups? Amen. Been such a blessing. And uh, about three weeks ago, we were in the Grow Groups at home in our house. And uh, my daughter, we were towards the end of the, the lesson. And I, I've always found it a, a more or less a privilege to ask for prayer, for people to ask for prayer towards the end. And it's very encouraging to know that we pray for one another. And my daughter was right next to me. And this was the first time that she had sat through the entire uh, lesson, more or less discussion. She was sitting right next to me, and I said, would anybody like prayer? And she tugged on me. She said, Daddy, can, can I say a prayer or a request? And it caught me by surprise and said, sure, honey. And I'm like, oh, God, what's she going to say? <laughs> Everybody's there. She's going to pray for Daddy not to yell at her. I don't know. <laughs> she says, Daddy, I want to pray for the Holy Ghost. Man, you talk about trying to not break down in front of everybody. She says, I want to pray for the Holy Ghost because you can get the Holy Ghost anywhere. You can get it right here. She said that. She says, Daddy, because you told me that. Fathers, mothers, anybody who has kids around them, they are a sponge. You preach and you teach the word of God, they listen. They are the ones that are going to pass on the generation to come. In front of a room of adults, this little five-year-old, she said, I'm going to pray for the Holy Ghost. She doesn't have it yet, but I know she's going to get it. With that kind of heart, with that kind of conviction, with that kind of belief, it's just a matter of time. Amen. So I'm telling you this morning, Jesus reveals himself to us. He is here with us, but he wants to deposit his spirit in you. God with us, Emmanuel, his spirit in us. Second point I want to make to you today. Boy, that was the first point. Second point. In the Bible, they referred to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. How many have we asked him to bring peace in our lives? How many have we called him at a point where we need his help, in a point of tribulation, or maybe because we've seen our family going through a tribulation, we know we can depend on Jesus. I may be preaching to the choir here because you already know who the Prince of Peace is, but I just want to remind you, I get excited when I read this story. Mark 4 35 verse 41. I did give them this one, so they'll be okay. In the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Keep that in the back of your mind. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that, the, so that it was full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep, on a pillow. Good time to rest. And he was, and they, they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not for that we perish? First of all, you can very easily look at this verse and say, come on, guys. You got Jesus with you. You got to worry about this stuff. 
It's very easy for you to be outside the trouble. Listen to me. Very easy for you to be outside the storm and look at the person who's having a storm. Look at the person who's going through a struggle. Look at the person who's going through a tribulation. It's very easy to tell them, why don't you just worship? Why don't you just read the Bible? Why don't you just pray? I'll tell you why. Because they're in the midst of the storms. If the disciples having Jesus... Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in their boat. I'll tell you right now, if Jesus was in my house in the flesh, you could very easily say, I wouldn't have to worry about a thing. But you are flesh. You're flesh. The mind takes over. You don't see the vision. You don't see what's beside or in front of you. The disciples in that moment did the thing that you and I would have done in the midst of a storm. You would have worried. So I say this to you kindly. If you see somebody going through a struggle, don't tell them, hey, just praise. Why don't you get underneath and raise their hands with them? Why don't you say, hey, I'm going to praise and worship with you. Why don't you do as they did for Moses and they helped them lift their hands up? Why don't you get praying? Why don't you get your knees and say, God, I'm going to pray for my brother and sister. They're going through a storm. I don't know what it's like, but you do. They had the audacity to ask Jesus, do you, don't you see we're going to perish? And here's where we see the power of God. And he arose before he said anything to his disciples, before he taught a lesson, before he said his words to them, he told the storm, he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. God's going to answer your prayers. God's going to calm the storm. He's going to bring you through the tribulation. He's not going to let you perish. I'll tell you right now, if you're a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, he will pull through. That is our Prince of Peace. That is our Jesus who we count and depend on. But now that he took care of business... Here comes the learning. Every tribulation and trial we go through is not just for nothing. There is something that God's teaching you and walking you through. Amen. And he said unto them, now he turns to the disciples, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. They had yet not the revelation of who Jesus was. They feared exceedingly and said unto one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? If he did that to the sea and the wind, man, I better keep in check. Teaching a lesson here to his disciples. Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus is. He begins to reveal himself little by little to his disciples. They begin to get a taste of his power. Amen. The other day I was discussing with my wife uh, about the things that are going on in the world. I think as everybody of us take time to discuss, it's hard to ignore, especially because I get the feeling we are being witness 
of the exact prophecies the Bible has discussed. We learned about it here Thursday night about Gog and Magog, Russia and Iran. And when we go to prayer at night, our girls, they ask for prayer for the kids in Palestine and in Israel. They ask for prayer in the kids in the hospital. They grew up there. They perhaps don't know. God hasn't revealed himself to them. You and I have a privilege. We have the revelation of who Jesus is. We have the truth. Amen. Cherish that truth. In Luke 15, 3, says this. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you have a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after which is lost until he find it? He's talking a parable here to the people. He's telling them, he's, he's revealing to them who Jesus is. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven ever over one sinner that repenteth more than the 99 just persons which need no repentance. You and I have the truth. You and I have the revelation of who God is. You are baptized in Jesus' name. You have the Holy Ghost. God's not saying your soul is not worth. On the contrary, you are already a part of the family. You already have your name written down in the book of life. You already received your promise. You are just along now in the journey that will take you through the pearly gates. But the one, the one who has yet to come before Jesus, the one sheep, the one person that has yet to accept him as his Lord and Savior, the one who has yet to been baptized, that is the one who Jesus came to in this earth. You remember and you recall in the scene at the beginning when the shepherds heard the great news and they were in the field and they had their sheep those shepherds with haste left their sheep and went to where the Savior was. You and I have received the word. With haste, we ought to look for the one that has not received. With haste, we ought to give the word to the people of this world who right now in this moment in time, in the last times, they are looking and seeking for something to fill their hole, the void that has been placed upon this. God is our shepherd. We have won the battle, but there are those out there who have yet to encounter the truth. So Jesus, to us, is Emmanuel, God with us. He's our prince of peace. He's the good shepherd. My dad in Mexico, he had cattle. That's what he dedicated his life, most of his life for. He started out in many other things, but towards the, before moving to the U.S., he had cattle, and he tended to cattle. Uh, and you could, I guess you could call him a farmer or a rancher, but that's what he did. Cattle was his business. Uh, 
And when I was little, I always looked up to my dad as a great businessman. I said, I'd like to be just like you. I, I want to learn everything about cows, and I want to know everything. I didn't realize how much work there was. I started eating my words when my dad started taking me to the, to the ranch and showed me everything he had to do. I said, I thought it was just selling cows. You get to that point, and you put all the hard work. But my dad, when he would take me to the ranch, and he would say, hey, you have to feed the cow. You have to bring them this to the, to the cows. they got to eat. I said, Dad, there's grass everywhere. Why don't you just let them eat the grass? He says, well, yeah, but that's not the best thing for them. The best thing for them is for me to know what they need, the type of nutrients they eat. The grass doesn't provide that nutrient. The grass, you know, they just eat it from once in a while. But if you want them to be healthy, if you want them to be fat for when we sell them in a good price, I have to give them and provide exactly what they need. And he had a pond, and that pond was full of water. And even to this day, he still calls his you know, friends back at home and makes sure that his land's okay. And why am I saying all of this? If that is a man here on earth taking care of animals, he has this care for them, and he wants them to be fed right. And he would put a barbed wire around the entire corral, and he's like, that's so they don't get out. Because there's always one, he says. There's always one. Finds a hole, jumps through it, and goes into the, to the neighbor's field. And I remember it was a gray cow. She had a stumpy uh, horn. And he's like, that's the one you got to watch out for. I said, okay, that makes sense. Probably broke one of the horns trying to get out. He says, there's always one. Just leaves. You don't know. But the other cows that were already in that corral, they know there's going to be food tomorrow. They know they're going to be fed. They're going to be cared after. They're not going anywhere. They depend on my dad in some way. You and I, we have strong roots in our Christian walk with God. You and I have understanding and revelation. I'm asking you this morning to think about those who have not. Brother Andy was talking to us about answer their questions. Talk to them. Take some time to listen to them. There is a, there's a sheep out there who is lost because you and I at one point were lost. Someone took the time to speak to us. Someone took the time to listen to us. Someone took the time to tell us who Jesus was. If you know who Jesus is, fantastic. But the person next to you may not. They may not fully understand who Jesus is. They just may hear about his name, but they don't know that he can still the storm inside their heart. My father-in-law, we were discussing yesterday. He came over for dinner, and he was discussing about how God healed him recently. And it's a, it's a very personal thing for him, but God healed him. And he was, he was witnessing to me, and one of the things that led him to the decision or led him to a point of turning to God, was he said, and these were his words, I was fearful for my soul. I was afraid. I started thinking about what it would be like if the rapture came and I wasn't gone with him. And he said, my mind started to follow that path, and it started to feel heavy on me. And I said, that's the enemy lying to you. Because you are saved. You already have his, his, his 
the baptism. You already have the seal over you. You are separated from this world, but that's the enemy lying to you. What am I telling you this morning? Our good shepherd already shed the blood for us. Our good shepherd already paid the price. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. The enemy will tell you, you're not doing things right. You shouldn't waste your time going to church. You shouldn't waste time. Guess what? We fall every day. Guess what? There's grace every day. God said every day we kill our flesh. Every day we wake up, we may fall. But Jesus says, come on, I'm going to lift my hands and you reach out and I'm going to pull you through. We read in the Bible, there was a moment where God asked Peter to walk on water. They were again in another storm and they were all afraid. And all of a sudden, God God appeared into them, into the water, and everybody looked at them, him and said, we see a ghost, a spirit, something. And God said, fear not, for it is I. And Peter said, well, if it's you, let me go to you. Prove it to me. God says, no problem. You come on. Let's go. And I'm summarizing here, but the moment he stepped out, the Bible tells us that he started to walk on water. But what happened? He lost his focus on Jesus and started to focus on the problems. And he started to sink and he started to go in the water and he started to perhaps drown. I'm telling you this morning, when you're going through the storm and God says, I'm going to bring you out. And you start like you you feel there's, there's victory coming. You feel like you're traversing through it. And all of a sudden, the enemy starts to talk to you and says, you're not of it yet. Guess what? You're still not out of it. You're still hurting. You're still sick. Your family's still not saved. He's going to tell you all those things. But I'm telling you this morning, you lift up your gaze and you focus on Jesus. He's the one that's going to pull through because he already did it for me and you. That is our good shepherd. Fourth point. I have ten, so don't worry. Just kidding. One of you are like, what? The Bible refers to Jesus as the light of the world. If you open your Bibles to John 9, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents? And he was born blind. It was a cultural thing that if something was wrong with you, it's because your parents sinned, they did something wrong. Isn't it amazing how the word of God tells us exactly how the enemy will tell you? There's something wrong with you. It's the reason you're living how you're living. You're doing something wrong. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. What you are living may not be a result of what you did, but why don't you look forward to the result and the praise and the honor that God's going to bestow upon you, upon your family, upon those around you. I must work with the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the ninth coming, when no man can work, as long as I'm in the world, 
I am the light of the world. It's very easy for us, again, to look at those that are going through a trouble and say, oh, they must have done something wrong. You know what? It, it doesn't happen. It's normal. It does because God needs to work. God's going to work in somebody's darkness just as he's going to work in your life. It's not all rainbows and stars. I'm telling you the truth here this morning. I'm not here to just encourage you, but I'm here to show you who Jesus is. I'm here to reveal you. God is telling us it's not all about us. It's not all about us. It's about Jesus. It's about giving him the honor and glory. I've shared my testimony about when I was a kid, and I woke up in the morning, and I couldn't walk. And it happened to me again when I was in the States, and I couldn't walk. And all of a sudden, one day I said, in Jesus' name, and I walked out of that bed, and I was praising him. But I did that very next Sunday, I testified about it. Because I realized a lady had walked up to me, a sister in the church, a prayer warrior in the church. She came up to me, and she told me, the reason it happened again to you is because you didn't testify. I said, enough heard, enough said. I'm going to share every time God does something good with me. I'm going to tell the world about it. I don't care if they look at me like I'm weird. I testified about that miracle in a college. I was given a debate speech, and all I did was share my testimony. I saw in the back of the classroom, the teacher was crying. That teacher was as liberal as you can imagine, but that teacher was crying. He stood up and he said, Man, how do I follow that? I'll tell you right now, when God manifests himself in your life, you don't have to worry about how the world sees you. Somebody's life will be changed. Just tell them your testimony. That is God, the light of this world. You cannot be in a dark room, turn on a flashlight, and ignore it. I don't care how much you don't want to see it, you will. Just ask me when I'm trying to go to sleep and the window's the tad bit cracked and I can see the light coming in. I hate it. <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. Ask my wife when she's trying to put her baby down and I open the door and I didn't realize she was sleeping. She just gives me the look like, <laughs> took me half an hour to put her to sleep. It's hard for the world to ignore the light. It's hard just as much as you have seen in the news lately. They are starting to side with evil. This isn't new, church. This isn't new. The world is starting to call the things of evil good and the good evil. They are preparing themselves for what's to come. But I'm telling you this morning, it is not with your effort or my strength. It is with the strength of our God who was already victorious. It is with the light that he has provided that we are going to be triumphant. I'm telling you, it's not you and I. It's Jesus. Fifth point. And if something you can take away, this is the one I'd like for you to take away. Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. 
And he was rich. It's good to know rich friends, right? We'll see why. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And it could not for the press because he was little stature. This man was rich, but he couldn't get to Jesus. He was limited by his physical appearance. Jesus is speaking to the multitude, and he's in the back, and he can't get to him. His wealth in that moment didn't matter. What he had, his social status, fall short of who Jesus was. The people around Jesus probably knew who Zacchaeus was, but they were more focused on who Jesus was and the message that Jesus had. And he ran before and climbed up to a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. You don't think Jesus already knew who this man was? Of course he did. But Jesus probably wanted to see this guy's character. And when Jesus came to place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Say haste. This is the second time we've talked about haste. And come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste. Say haste. And came down and received him joyfully. This man must have felt like a star. Social status, rich man, he's trying to get Jesus' attention, climbs a tree, and Jesus sees him and says, I'm coming to your house. And when they saw it, they all murmured. Man, isn't that just about a thing? Instead of saying, wow, Jesus is going to go see somebody. No, they murmured. Very easy, remember? Very easy to murmur. Very easy to say bad things. That he was gone to be a guest with a man that was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, that half of my goods I give to the poor. Isn't it awesome? All of a sudden, this man's invited, or, the, or Jesus invites his, himself to his house, and the character begins to change in Zacchaeus. His riches are now starting to become less important. He says, I will give half of my stuff to the poor. Jesus hadn't even preached to him yet. He's already changed this man's life. Why? Because Jesus acknowledged him. He saw him. He didn't ignore him. He saw his heart, what his heart was after. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. He's already repenting. He's repenting. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and save that which is lost. Praise team, if you could join me. This morning, we've heard Jesus reveal to him, himself to us as Emmanuel, God with us. With us in spirit, inside of us, helping us sacrifice our flesh daily. He's our prince of peace in a time of storm and tribulation, whether you're in it or you're outside witnessing that storm. God is the prince of peace, He's a good shepherd. 
He shed the blood for us. He cared for us. He looked for us when we were lost. He brought us into his corral. He brought us into his ravine. He brought us, but he's still searching for the one that's lost. He's the light of the world. Jesus came to save the world, to give sight to those that can't see, to the blind man who thought it was because of his sin, but it's not. It's because Jesus just needed to perform his power. He needed to show the people who he was. Your life, God's going to show people around you who he is. Just let him work through you. Amen. He's our Savior and Redeemer. I want you to stand with me this morning. The story of Zacchaeus is sometimes very easy to overlook because we think, oh, Zacchaeus is those, represents those in the world that are lost that need Jesus. But I look at Zacchaeus and I start to see that before he receives the word of God, there is already a transformation happening. It's impossible, church, for you to let God in your heart, in your household, and for you to be the same the next day. The power of God transforms. He transforms Zacchaeus. He transformed my life and he's transformed you. Imagine what it can do to those that have yet to not understand who Jesus is. Reveal to them who Jesus is. Why don't we pray this morning and I ask you this morning to come to the altar and to meet Jesus. Have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus or have not been received the Holy Ghost, this is your opportunity. There is a promise bestowed upon you. And God wants to remind you who he is to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.